0: More than ever, we are in need to share the gospel, and Church at the Mill can't wait to do that with you in this podcast series, where we talk about who we are as a church and what we value. Join us for this spiritual and financial journey more than ever.
1: Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us again for a more than ever podcast. For those of you that are tuning in for the first time, I'm DJ Horton, the senior pastor of Church at the Mill. and. We decided to do a series of podcasts around More Than Ever, which is a a spiritual journey, a vision journey, a movement we're on as a church family, just looking at what makes us who we are, but also preparing ourselves for the next chapter spiritually, emotionally, financially. And what what we've tried to structure these around are our values, which really kind of form the DNA of our identity. I've often said, as a pastor, vision, mission, purpose, core values— those tags get thrown around a lot and sometimes we spend so much time promoting the words we don't pull the curtain back and explain from which they come and so we're doing that and we've really focused in on some value statements we value the word of god in preaching we value the glory of god in worship we value the mission of god to the nations we value the love of god in community we value the growth of God in us. But today, I want to talk about the value that we articulate this way. We value the legacy of God in the next generation. And I want you to listen to this uh, sub-statement, and then I want to introduce somebody pretty special to our church and to me. So we value the legacy of God in the next generation. Therefore, we disproportionately invest in the faith of our children students, and the young families they represent. And because all of those can be captured under the title Next Generation, I have with us today our Next Gen Pastor, Trip Atkinson. Hello, man. How are you?
0: Hey, bud. Always good to be with
1: you. Good, man. So take just a minute and tell the church a little bit more about yourself.
0: Yeah, so um, my wife, uh, Courtney, and myself and my three kids, Casey and Cole Hadley. We've been at Church of the Mill going on two years now and uh, grew up in Sumter, South Carolina.
1: Big metropolis uh, of Sumter. Man, Sumpter. I'm telling
0: you, big town, Sumter County. Got out, uh, <laughs> and um, after being in the Myrtle Beach area for a while where I had my first time, Um, my first full-time church position, spent 10 years at First Baptist Columbia, seven years in the Atlanta, Georgia area. Mm. And then um, God clearly led our family to Church at the Mill. And, you know, it is hearing you articulate your vision for the next generation um, that God used to bring me here because my prayer was— um, I just uh, finished up some uh, academic work, finishing my doctorate at Liberty University, and I sense there's a next season on the horizon, but I knew that God was calling me to invest in the next generation and those who serve them. Yeah. And um, hearing your vision for the next generation, my prayer was, God, put me somewhere where whatever it is I bring to the table can be best leveraged for the next generation. And God used that prayer to mm. bring me here.
1: Well, that means a lot. I appreciate you saying that. I can't believe it's been two years.
0: Man, it's crazy. It's
1: fallen by. Some days I'm sure it feels like 20, and some days it's like 10 minutes ago. You know, I I remember when you and I began to interact, you you came so highly recommended, and I told you when I called you, you were overqualified for this role, and little did we know just what was going to happen in the last 24 months. For those of you who are listening to this podcast and you're part of Church of the Mill, you know as part of more than ever, we've been sort of laying out our our desire to make this moment count around three statements one is more than ever God has blessed us more than ever our community needs the gospel and more than ever we need to do something about it and recently I was delivering those statistics and just the number of students and children that were already engaging is quite
0: staggering it's probably why you're tired sitting here right now isn't it? <laughs> you know one of the things you said when we were talking about uh potentially coming to join the team here you said trip If you come here, I promise you, you will never get bored. And um,
1: (laughs) that's true. little
0: did I know the extent of that statement. But, you know, um, the the craziness, the the busyness is because of what God's doing here. Yeah, it really is. And it's really hard to articulate it when people say, hey, what's going on at Church of the Mill? Mm. Or or else they hear what's going on here and they say, man, your team must be really good. And I'm Mm. saying, whoa, stop right there. I, I promise you, this is not us. It's way bigger than anything we could um, make happen.
1: That's right. We're not manufacturing this movement. And it's exciting to be a part of it, but it's pretty humbling, too. I very, mean, very humbling. You know, because yeah. you and I work behind the curtain every day, that uh, there's nothing genius, there's no hidden secret. Uh, it's just people. Th- those, to me, are the real heroes. And, and thinking about that, you know you are someone who has a lot of gifts and obviously I'm I'm in your uh, fan club but today's not about you or about me it's about the next gen. you know you could go lead a church, you could go teach student ministry, you could go do a lot of things and uh, and by God's grace he led you here. When you think about the role of the local church in reaching the next generation um wh- why do we, why do we have to, like, get this right? In, in other words, you know, it's more than just great child care, a nice Bible study, and a full, robust youth calendar of activities. There's got to be more to it than that. And so why do you think it's vital that we not sleep on this window? Because I do think it's a window That's of right. time we have.
0: Speak to that. Yeah, it, it is vital that the church get Next Generation Ministry right. Um, first of all, we're on the clock. We're on the clock with students. You know the statistics. Yeah. For people, if that window, if they don't know, come to know Christ by the time they graduate high school, statistically, they, they would be a statistical anomaly the later in life. That's come exactly right. to know right. Christ. Um, so we're on the clock and, um, man, I sense that urgency more and more and more. Um, number two, we're in a battle. I heard someone say recently a statement that has, um, and it's resonated and it's just been playing over and over in my mind. They said, whoever wants our children and students the most will get them. Mm. Think about that now. Yeah. Whoever wants the next generation the most will get them.
1: And we also know the enemy wants them.
0: The enemy wants them. We're we're in a battle. And the enemy is relentlessly coming after this next generation. And mm. he's using every tactic uh, possible yeah. to get them. And what we know when we read the gospel, when we read the Word of God, we know that God wants him more. And he already demonstrated that on the cross. It's our job to make sure students know that. Mm. Because the enemy is attacking them um, he, he's attacking them at the core of who they are. One yep. thing I tell our volunteer leaders all the time, um, here's one thing we know about students. They're just like us. Every student we see was created with the need to be loved unconditionally, to belong to community, and to have significance and purpose. And the enemy is, that's where he's attacking that's them. That's right. He's attacking them with cheap imitations of God's best for their life and—, and being loved and finding mm-hmm. community and having significance and purpose. And what I told recently our adult volunteer leaders is, y'all, the days of needing chaperones in kids' ministry or youth ministry, those days are over. We don't need chaperones. We need warriors who yeah. are ready to go to war for our kids.
1: When you think about that, what what do we need as a church? And you can speak specifically to Church at the Mill, but you can also speak to the broader Church, the body of Christ. What what must we get right mm. in next gen ministry? Mm. What, what do we need to get What do we need to get right?
0: Right. Well, I I think our um, our relentlessness at which we go after students. Number one, we we got to make it a priority, which mm-hmm. we are. Two questions I asked some of our adult leaders recently in a room together. Uh, I said, number one, if you knew God would answer your prayer, what would you pray for the next generation? Mm. What would you pray? And, you know, they start out, well, I I, I pray that our students would, would know God. Well, that's certainly our prayer for all of our students. So I, I pray that our students would spend time in His Word. That That's our prayer. Mm. But if we knew God would answer our prayers, why not pray bigger prayers? Mm. Why not pray that God use our students to start a revival that changes the, the world? Mm. Uh, and then we also considered this question together. We said, How much would you be willing to sacrifice if you knew it would lead to a revival among the next generation? Mm. And again, after some time, man, I heard adult leaders say, Trip, there's nothing I would not be willing to give up if I truly believed it would spark a generation that would change the world. Um, one great story we were at midweek the other week, and uh, one of our adult volunteer leaders, Um, man, I saw him walk up and he had this massive bandage on his hand. And I said, man, what what is going on? I found out he had had an accident with a piece of machinery hours earlier that had mutilated a finger and had to go to the doctor and they had to amputate um, part of this guy's finger. Good gracious. He came from the hospital to midweek. And I said, Bro, what are you doing? <laughs> Why aren't <there?"> you home
1: <laughs> I, with some good medication? This guy is
0: drugged up, his hand <laughs> is bandaged up, and he is at midweek serving students. And he looked at me and he said, Trip, you told us we're in a battle. Why would I let this keep me mm. from coming and fighting for our kids? And so mm. we got to get that right. Some of the other things we we got to get right as we have that priority strategic discipleship. We got to get that right, man. Mm. The, the The scorecard is not numbers of students that we get to show up for events. Is yeah. how do we fulfill the Great Commission mandate to meet students where they are and um, to help them live out the full gospel to become disciples. We gotta get that right. We gotta get right connecting adult leaders in our church to have those discipleship relationships with students. We gotta get um, parent partnerships right because it's the parents who are called to be the primary spiritual influencers in students' lives. It's not our job, the church, to be that. It's the parents' job. Yeah. So we got to encourage parents. We got to equip them. We got to empower them to do that. We've got to get right um, our our community engagement, meeting students where they are, and you know, we also got to get right shepherding students well.
1: You know, and all that. I mean, you know, that's no easy task, and uh, I don't think the average person, even the average parent in our church, realizes the -the behind-the-scenes work. That it takes and the resources. You know, one of the things as I was attempting to articulate our values, I didn't come up with our values, our church values the gospel above all things, and out of that flows these words. If anything, as the senior pastor, I I make an attempt to communicate them, but the values really are driven from what the Lord's done in all of our lives. But in articulating this value of the legacy of God in the next generation. Mm. I specifically chose a word because I, I do believe it, and it simply says, we disproportionately invest. Yeah, what, what does that mean to you as the leader of our next gen? And for those of you who are listening, that, that means for Tripp, from the standpoint of his uh, title, uh, from, from birth through the graduation of high school, uh, Tripp oversees those ministries, those pastors, and those uh, directors. And so... When you think about that disproportionately, what does that look like at Church of the Mill?
0: Sure. So I, I think uh, leadership has demonstrated um, a, a in, in our church a willingness to follow that leadership to disproportionately invest uh, in our focus, in our decision-making. There's been a number of tough decisions that I know that you have had to make in leadership, Um, Where we just had to decide, okay, what what is going to take priority here? And I've seen you over and over again say, you know what, even if we have to inconvenience this group or that group, um, we're going to lead with the next generation. Mm. Um, So, in, in our focus, but also in our in our finances, our our resources, our facilities, our our personnel. There's been a tremendous commitment to growing the team that we need. And um, man, most of our people uh, have no idea that some of the folks on our next gen team are are literally some of the best at what they do in the country. Mm. And that's a a commitment that you have made. That's a commitment that our leadership has made to offer our children and our students the the absolute best in our programming, just continually pushing how do we offer the next generation the very best because it matters.
1: Mm. You know, I think one of the things I remember you and I talked about early in our relationship was, I think you got to leverage your position. And, you know, we're in the upstate of South Carolina. It's a fast-growing area. I shared recently that 10,000 people moved to this county last year. We also are literally in between two of the largest, most prominent high schools in the state. they mm-hmm. not the only ones. There are a lot of large ones. And then we have a plethora of phenomenal elementary, middle school, elementary schools, middle schools, private schools, homeschool co-ops. You know, th- this is a, a pro-family culture. That's right. And so I think it would be foolish to not disproportionately invest. And I think it goes back to what you said earlier, it is a window.
0: It's a window. And to me, for not only for me and and for the team that I have the privilege of leading, but for our church, it is a stewardship issue. Mm. God has placed us here. God's given us the opportunity. God's given us favor in our local schools. God's given us an open door. Um, and the question is, what are we going to do with that? How are we going to leverage that?
1: Yeah. And, and you know, we, we, second only to the gospel, what's the greatest treasure that I've ever been given? You know, it's my family. That's right. And certainly, Laurel and I would would say that our six children, as expensive as they are and as tired as we are from trying to raise them, you know, there, there's nothing greater. And we have a culture of death. We have a culture of—we of, uh, have an agenda, even in our national leaders, of pro-abortion. We, we have a, a, a desire to take the confusion children may be experiencing with gender and exploit that and all kinds of really, really sick, twisted mm. falsehood being pumped into kids' lives— and so to take the children that God has entrusted us with and give them the pure, unadulterated gospel, the truth of God's word, ground them in the identity of Christ, with the effort of not just making them nice people. We're not interested in behavioral modification. We want them to love the king. Yeah, And then that impact the rest of their life. Now, when you think about that, if you're listening to this podcast and you're, you're, you're tracking with us, from your perspective, trip, because you eat, breathe, and sleep this, What's the challenge to next generation for a church like Church at the Mill? Because I would say, obviously, you and I are biased. Yeah. But from the outside looking in, we have mm-hmm. the favor of other people who say, hey, guys, you guys are getting a lot of things right. But we're by no means perfect, and we certainly haven't arrived. Yeah. What's the challenge that the average person who cares about the gospel yeah. and cares about young people would be—they'd be—, uh, they'd be Better equipped if they understood, but they probably don't understand right now. What is the
0: challenge that you mm. think? So, uh, I think of a couple things. The biggest challenge at large in engaging student culture is just the depravity of the culture that they live in. The things that our students deal with today mm. is shocking, it's shocking, and it, it's just part of their world. Yeah. Um, uh, the challenge we have in meeting them where they are, um, a lot of it does come back to resources. Having having an army of. Um, trained adult volunteer leaders who are mobilized to go after them. Uh, We need more and more adults who have a heart for the next generation to get over the anxiety, to get over the, you know what? God can't use me there, and just say I'm willing to be used. Um, Very practically, some space. I mean, you know, (laughs) two years years ago, uh, we opened a new student center. Thinking, man, this thing, this thing will serve us for a long, long time. So two years ago, we opened this new student center thinking, man, this thing.
1: I think, I think your phone is thinking when you're Uh-oh. saying student center, you're asking for Siri. Come keep on going. Now. Keep going.
0: So we opened this student center two years ago thinking it's going to serve us a long time. Uh, we have already outgrown it. We literally cannot fit any more in on a midweek to yeah. come together in worship. And so yeah. the, the the resources as we look to future campuses, the staffing and all that, the flip side of that, people say, what are your biggest challenges? What are your biggest opportunities? The biggest opportunity we have besides the location God has placed us in, the relationships God's given us, the resources, the team, yeah. the biggest opportunity we have in reaching the next generation is the next generation. Mm. Because what we're seeing is a generation that absolutely is wired to make a difference and they mm. want to make a difference. Mm. And this world is telling, giving them every social calls in the world to try to get them involved in. And it's empty. It's empty. So it's yeah. leaving them apathetic. But if we take that core need and we introduce them to the kingdom of God and the purposes of God, yeah. um, that is our biggest asset. I, I think of... Um, a couple students, one of our students who has some uh, physical challenges was seeing a uh, physical therapist uh, sometime back. Uh, God used this student to invite his PT to church. Mm. He came to church. He got saved and he is now serving in next generation.
1: Because he came through the relationship of a student. That's right,
0: that's right. Mm-hmm. This morning I was in a school and uh, and I got to see one of our students stand in front of a gymnasium full of other students. Mm-hmm. And she shared her testimony. She shared how she was engaged in missions at Church of the Mill. It changed her life and her heartbeat, her challenge to her peers is for her peers to pray and and beg God and use them to have conversations with their Mm. friends. Every day we're seeing students on the front lines who are being unleashed to share the gospel. That's our biggest asset. And you know what? We as a church, we need to double down on calling out those students.
1: Well, and I I think you know if you want to find something that's stimulating, be around young people just in general. They're a lot of fun. Uh, But number two, be around young people who get it who love the lord. They're still young. They're going to make plenty of mistakes, but there's a passion and a courage that comes with youth. I mean, you know, we as a is as, as a species, we as humans, we we always reflect with great joy over the youthfulness yeah. of when we were children and students, and you can't get those years back. And I do think that the greatest place to find future pastors, missionaries, leaders, evangelists, but also school teachers, engineers, nurses, physical therapists who love Jesus. is not in the pew. It's in the student center. That's it's right. down the children's wing. And and I think, you know, as a pastor, what I always encourage people to think about is, is I think about people like Tommy. Tommy's a senior adult in our church uh, who was teaching a group of senior adults in Sunday school. And he's faithful, man, loves Jesus. He's a widower. And, uh, And he was studying the Bible on his own Mm. and was really camping out on Romans 12, very popular, very well-known passage. Uh, But uh, be transformed by the renewal of your mind is what Paul says. Offer yourself as living sacrifices and uh, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed is what the old King James says. And it dawned on him that he was teaching the minds of senior adults who loved Jesus but probably knew as much Bible as he did. Yeah. And he walked out one day, told them, asked them to pray for him, came down to see you guys, got involved in teaching middle school boys on Sunday mornings the Word of God because he became convinced that it was their minds that needed to be transformed most by the Word of God. Yeah. And this is a guy who's 80 years old.
0: And you know what? He is making a difference. A huge difference. He's making a difference. And that's one of the things with more than ever that really excites me. So the very practically, we know mm. more than ever, um, as our people dictate how fast we get there, we know that it's going to further expand the Army across Spartanburg County that's mm. engaging the next generation. It's going to help provide facilities and teams across campuses. It's going to reduce our debt. Um, uh that's gonna free up so much more money for ministry. Um, but what excites me in all of this, it is gonna help fuel the vision to reach the next generation. Man, yeah. I I pray that you know what, there's there's 50 Tommies out there. That's right. Through more than ever that get that vision of, you know what, let's let's do more. We're uniquely positioned. Man, let's go for it.
1: And that's how I think about your ministry, I think about 100, 200 years from now when it's all over with for us. Churches have a shelf life. Buildings that are built today are condemned a couple of years from now. But if you find somebody who's faithfully following the Lord and you say, well, where did it begin in your life? And they say, well, my great-grandmother was raised at Church at the Mill. My great-grandfather was a lost eighth grader struggling for purpose and got invited to a retreat. And the gospel was clearly preached He wasn't just made to feel good. He wasn't a part of just momentum. He didn't just come to fun events. He was challenged with the gospel and it changed the rest of his life. You know, I'm grateful for you and your leadership in our church and for God bringing you to us. Um, And I appreciate the way you said that about more than ever. You're exactly right. I mean, of course, we want our church to uh, make commitments to generosity, to help us retire debt, to secure Facilities facilities that impact children and, and students, quite frankly, they dominate our facilities, and we're thankful for that. But we also want it to manifest itself in, more than ever, every adult who loves the Lord should find a way to involve and invest themselves in Next Gen at Church at the Mill. Mm. If every adult found a way yeah. to do that, so much of your struggles would shift from, filling spots that are with trained, mobilized leaders to then pouring into and making that Army a better Army. That's good. And that changes everything.
0: It changes everything. This morning, I had an opportunity to sit with some uh, some coaches and student-athletes at, yeah. at one of our local high schools. And we were in an auditorium where they had championship banners hung mm-hmm, everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and I was having them look at that and then I shared with them a verse that um, me and my discipleship partner are going through the forty discipleship mm-hmm. uh, book together. And so I've really been, uh, really been thinking about First Thessalonians chapter two. And at the end of that passage, Paul says, "After all, what gives us hope and joy, and what will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before the Lord Jesus when He returns?" He says, it is you. You are our pride mm. and joy. And, you know, I encourage those coaches, man, these these banners, these championships are great. But what will be your crown mm. in heaven? What will be your joy? Mm. It, it, it is these students That's right. that you invest in. And you know what? More than ever, um, it's really not about having more buildings or a bigger organization. It's about having more of the next generation in heaven.
1: That's right. And and with that, I think we'll bring this time to a close. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate what you mean to our church and what this journey is going to do for the next generation because more than ever, we value the legacy of God in the next generation. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please stay tuned, share them. We'd love for you to let your friends and loved ones know about them. Stay tuned for the next installment of More Than Ever. Hope you have a great rest of your day.